one thing that we are both in agreement on is we believe that students have the capacity to reach other students. I'm in this huge zone right now that as I go church to church, my big push is that we've got to stop helping students survive. I feel like that's what we think youth ministry is sometimes, just helping kids make it, right? If I could just get this kid from, from Wednesday to Wednesday and they don't go to the party this weekend, that's a win. If I could just get this kid through my youth ministry and they don't do drugs like everybody else or they don't get pregnant or they don't whatever, I'm a good youth pastor. No, we've set the bar way too low. We've set the bar at survival and God is calling us to more than that. God is calling us to raise up a generation who doesn't just make it through their junior high and high school experience, but they impact and reach as many junior hires and high schoolers and faculty members and parents and anybody else that they encounter because they've been equipped to do the work. And that's what the local youth ministry is all about, equipping students to do what God is calling them to do. Well, hey, welcome to this episode of the Pastors Roundtable. I am your host, Ryan Latham, and I'm super excited to share a portion of one of our coaching calls. You see, every month we hold coaching calls for youth pastors where we have guest speakers. We have a time for those in the group to talk about ministry issues, and we help and support each other through that. And then we break up into two groups where we encourage each other and do life together. And today I'm going to share with you a portion of that teaching element. One of the things that's different about if you're in the group is that you get to ask our speakers live questions about the topic that we've been talking about to personalize it to your ministry context. It's a game changer. It's much different than just listening to a teaching on a podcast like today. So I'd encourage you to get more information. You can go to renewleadership.org slash network to get more information or to join. So today, get ready. Let's listen to a month's teaching from our coaching group. Hey, I want to transition now over to our main uh, conversation today. Uh, I've got my friend Elliot coming in today. Elliot has been a youth pastor um, there in La Palma for uh, about seven plus years. Uh, he's also worked uh, on kind of a, a district level uh, with his network there. He's working now in the public school system as well. But, uh, you know, he just got off just this weekend uh, co-hosting, putting together a youth conference with over 2,000 students in attendance. Um, over 100 youth ministries were there, uh, and just some some amazing, amazing stuff was going on this weekend. So I called him yesterday, and I was like, man, I'm surprised you're even off the couch. But uh, he's up. He's ready to go. He is fired up. He's he, he told me, he said, look, he said, look, man, investing in youth pastors fires me up, so I'm going to be ready. So guys, buckle up. Get ready. Because uh, I know Elliot's going to bring some good content for us. So, my man, it's all yours. Take it away. And uh, we'll jump into some Q&A when you're done. Sweet. Thank you so much, Ryan. Um, it's an honor to be here. Yeah, uh, we just got off our youth convention. And this year we combined our network conference with youth convention. So Monday through Saturday, I've been in a hotel in San Diego, uh, 
also just to break down how crazy it was as well um thursday night was our ordination service for the ag we do the big you know give everybody certain districts or networks get way cooler stuff than us i've heard about other places they get like a like a knife we get a staff so i don't know what's up with that we kind of got gypped but uh it's all good so i was there for ordination service my dad he's a pastor he's on the teams and stuff that night um during ordination service he has this he has diverticulitis and he has this flare-up have to rush him to the er we had to call an ambulance so that was thursday night friday night is youth convention after everything's done it's late at night we do this thing at youth convention where we go on our instagram live or through our student ministries instagram and we have these students hop on and we'll give out uh pizzas to different floors because we all stay at the hotel so it's a super fun time after all that's done my wife, I think, got food poisoning or something, and she's pregnant, and she couldn't keep anything down, so I had to take her to the emergency room Friday night to get her fluids and all that type of stuff. So I was at Friday night, I was at the ER from 2 in the morning till 5.30, and then hosting the next morning. So it has been uh, just a wild time, for sure. But uh, I took Sunday and Monday, I'm ready to go, and uh, and honestly no matter what, I, I think things like this are worth doing and worth investing in um, more than anything, just because I'm excited to get to hop on here and, and see you guys get to meet you guys. John, the ninja, I had a student uh, who was a, and, and this is like, I've bragged about this for years. I, so I'm not even, I'm not a ninja at all, as you could tell. I mean, look at me. But I had a student who was on the the student Ninja Warriors, and I, I brought that up in like every conversation I could, which I think is a cool part about being a youth pastor is we get to be connected with some amazing kids and then just like take their accomplishments for ourselves. You know, I was his youth pastor and I was her youth pastor. Um, but anyways, I love this type of thing, getting to meet you guys and hang out, because honestly, I was, I was talking with Ryan. Next week, or next month, rather, in June, when you guys have Jackson on, uh, he's actually a good friend of mine. We both are Youth Alive missionaries. I was a youth pastor for seven years. Um, and just this last year, I've stepped into a new role of being the Youth Alive director for Southern California after almost 20 years of us not having Youth Alive at all. Um, but next month, you guys are going to have Jackson on, who runs Youth Alive in Texas, and he's incredible. I'm telling you, the most practical, strategic, like you're going to leave being like, I can start a school club. We can reach every single campus because that's who Jackson is. Um, but I was talking with Ryan about this morning and kind of just being true to myself in, in, in these types of meetings, if I could be 100% honest, when I was asked to do this, or when I've been asked to do this type of thing in the past, I always lean into my insecurity and, and feel like, man, there's someone so much better, like a Jackson who could talk at one of these things. Um, because to be honest, my strength has never ever been strategy. My strength has never ever been uh, organization. My strength has never, been those types of things in youth ministries and so when i've gotten into these conversations whether i've been asked to speak at them or just listening at a conference at a lab talking about 
launching small groups and they're breaking down, you know, their tier system and everything they do. I always leave those um, types of conversations feeling very insecure, feeling like, man, I'm the worst youth pastor in the world because I don't do those types of things. But I do know my strengths um, are relationships. It's what I love about ministry. It's what I love about youth ministry specifically is that we have a space like this where we can come together and that we can be vulnerable, we can be genuine. And, and really that's the biggest thing that has helped me uh, in my seven years as a youth pastor and now stepping into this new role, partnering with my network. Um, and it's, it's why I love weekends like we just had. Not only do we get to see God move in students' lives and see students saved and called and healed and set free from addiction and baptized in the Holy Spirit, all that type of stuff that we get to see take place, um, I get to see some of my best friends. I get to see like Tim, we got to connect and hang out, even though in all the busyness, we built a friendship, we built a relationship. And uh, so I just wanted to say how valuable this, this type of thing is and how honored I am to speak here. And so what I wanna to talk to you guys about again um, is really just vulnerable and genuine to the place that I've been at currently, the way that I function in my head and, um, I think it'll be beneficial. I'm excited to get to go into like Q and A and just talk with you guys a little bit, but I want to read to you guys, Matthew 28, um, 16 through 20. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Uh, but I'll read it to you guys just in case. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age, right? Uh, the Great Commission, the very last thing Jesus says before his ascension. And I read that because it's something that I've come back to time and time again in my time in youth ministry, because I have the um, habit of overcomplicating my calling. And I think it's something that I see when I meet with youth pastors or talk with youth pastors as you know, the Youth Alive director, I have the privilege of um, being at a different youth ministry across Southern California, basically every single week, every single Wednesday, I'm going to a different group and getting to just kind of see the different ways that youth ministry functions and, and what youth ministry really looks like, right? Because we all know what people's youth ministry on Instagram looks like. And we all know what like the ideal youth ministry is supposed to look like. But what I love about this is I get to go boots on the ground. Like we do a podcast here in Southern California through our youth department. We call it in the trenches because that's really our heart is like, um, youth ministry can look so different and contextually can be so different depending on the, the size of the church you're at, the resource that you have. But at the end of the day, the goal is still the same. Um, and, and the metrics of success aren't necessarily what we make them out to be in, in that, like how many numbers we have or how many students showed up. Uh, the, the metric of success, I, I believe, is found here in Matthew 28. It's, are we making disciples? Because that's what we're called to do. That's what we're purposed with is to go into the world and to make disciples, not to go into the world and have, and, and this is coming from a guy who just helped 
put on a, a big youth conference, over 2,000 students, and we mentioned that there's over 2,000 students. We're excited about that fact, right? Like, but the point is that means nothing if it didn't serve a purpose to help the local church in creating disciples, right? If we just put on a conference to have a conference and to have a bunch of kids there and get excited and, and do giveaways and, and have experience, that's all cool. But ultimately, it doesn't mean anything if it didn't go for the greater purpose of helping the youth pastor at the local church in their calling of making disciples. And so really, my talk this morning to you guys, um, I think the most practical thing I could do is again, share out of my vulnerability and sort of the place that I've been at recently in my life as I've stepped into this new role. Um, I think the biggest thing we can take away from looking at Matthew 28 and looking at our calling is that in order to be effective in making disciples, we have to be disciples. I know that's so simple. And I'm like, you're probably like, Ryan, bro, what the heck? What, what? <laughs> like, what this dude's not telling us anything we didn't know. Um, I totally understand. But I'm just telling you, I think sometimes we overcomplicate things. And the most simple ideas are the most profound in our life. The most simple truths have the most effectiveness in changing our lives. And I've been in a season where it's been about simplifying things. Even as we launch Youth Alive, sometimes I gotta admit, in my insecurity, I feel like when I talk to pastors and when I, when I talk to youth pastors, I have the urge to wanna overcomplicate what it is that God has called me to and what it is that I'm doing to help the local church. But uh, I don't know where everybody is from in this group, but I hope you're familiar with in and out right? If you're not familiar with In-N-Out, you need to be, come over to Southern California and have your life changed forever. What I love about In-N-Out is the, it's a model where they don't do a lot, but what they do, they do well. And that's really what I've leaned into in this season of my life is I, I want to do a few things well. I don't want to overcomplicate my calling. I don't want to get caught up in, in what other people are doing. Um, because I might not be supposed to, to do that. Uh, and so really, I think something we miss about Matthew 28 is who Jesus is talking to. And it's an important point of the verse. We get so caught up in doing the work of making disciples that we forget that Jesus is talking to his disciples. And so there is a presumed truth in this, like that we can kind of miss in this thought that in order to make disciples, we must first be disciples. Um, because I think sometimes we get so focused on doing that we forget about what it is that we are becoming. Uh, and so just a few things about discipleship that I think not only help you individually, but they'll help you in what you're doing in your youth ministry, as we look at Matthew 28, um, is first and foremost, we see submission. Jesus, Jesus starts this thought by saying in Matthew 28, 18, all authority on heaven and on earth have been given to me. He starts from a place of authority. And I think that's an important note. I think we get caught up again. We jump straight into like, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them. And we're like, cool, let's get to work. But we have to pause for a second and understand that there is this preface of authority. And, and I think that we, again, this is simple. This isn't anything that you don't know, but it is so easy to 
get caught up in the motions of youth ministry that you you find yourself in a place of break where you're like i'm uh, overwhelmed and and i am burnt out and and bro this is coming off of a youth convention where i was at the er two days in a row so i understand feeling overwhelmed and tired but i think if we don't take these moments where we slow down and we focus on being the people god has called us to to be that's where we see effectiveness in doing the work that god has called us to do uh and so it all is framed from this place of submission. The authority comes from God. And I know we know that, but in practice, we lose sight of it so often. I think even as I've stepped into this new role as the Youth Alive director, I could tell you, I'm a church kid, bro. I'm a pastor's kid. I, I grew up in church my whole life. I never wanted to be in ministry, but I felt called to youth ministry specifically. And I hope to do youth ministry for the rest of my life, because I believe that what we do uh, isn't a stepping stone. It's not a babysitting service. It, I don't even think it's just the future of the church. I believe this is the church and that these students have the capacity to change the world around them if we are making more than just a fun place where people can hang out or more than just an experience. If we're creating a spot where we're making disciples, there's no stopping us in what's about to happen through our youth ministries all across the world. Um, but in understanding that, I think we know that like what we're called to is greater than ourselves, but automatically, once we get into a place of like, okay, let's do the work, we bring it back to a place that is um, in our comfort zone or in a place that we're able to do. I've, I've seen this in my own personal life, stepping into from being a full-time youth pastor to now I am a missionary. That's a, that's a big step of faith. But automatically, and I've, I've had to like check myself constantly, where do I believe the authority is coming from? Because what I do as a husband and as a father is I, I shoulder the burden of it all. I'll be like, I gotta, I gotta make this money. I gotta get these supporters. I gotta go and I gotta work. And I got, and, and, and again, it is our human mindset that we preach against every single Wednesday or Tuesday or Thursday or Sunday. Whenever you meet with your students, it's the same things that we preach against. But sometimes we are the ones who need to hear the sermons that we're preaching to the students week in and week out. Because I think that idea of submission is something that we constantly have to fall back on, on as youth pastors, because we bear the burden too often of the success of our youth ministry, of, of what our students have, are doing. How often is it the case when you hear about a leader or a student having a moral failure, you feel automatically like, man, I'm such a failure. Man, what a terrible youth pastor I am. And again, there are lessons to be learned in every single thing that we face and, and, and boundaries that can be set up. And, and, and this is why a group like this is so important is there's accountability and there's things that we can learn from the, the structures of other people's youth ministries. But ultimately, we've got to constantly understand that that authority comes from Christ, because not only do we feel the, the letdown in times of disappointment, but how often do we feel too good about those full nights of youth ministry? How often do we find our fulfillment from we hit record numbers and, and it was from this strategic idea that I had that I came up with and, and I felt so great about my sermon and there's kids that came up to me about it. And, and again, I know that we might all afterwards, we, you know, we'll do the point up to heaven like we just hit a home run and it's like all glory to God, but it's, it's 
I'm just, I want to encourage you. Being a disciple is about submission and realizing that authority comes from Christ, right? Something you already know, but I think those simple truths are the ones we forget about so often. And again, it's something I've fallen back on in my life, submission to the authority of Christ. The other thing we see about discipleship and the disciples we're supposed to create is a picture of salvation, right? Matthew 28, 19 goes on to talk about baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, man, baptisms are so powerful and so important. And I would say this, if you've not done actual baptisms in your youth ministry yet, you should. Do, do a night where you do baptisms, you know, there, there's logistics to it. You got to get parents permission. You got to figure it out with your pastor. But there's something so special about those nights where through your youth ministry, you guys get to baptize students. You got to see those students come in and, and there's just something so powerful about that. But baptism um, is mentioned in the Great Commission. I think that's special because Baptism is a picture of salvation, right? We all know baptism is an outward representation of an inward experience. And so baptism is this beautiful example of the old man is gone and the new man is born, right? Like, and so I think, again, we're, we get so accustomed to these church traditions and these things that we lose the power in them. And, and a disciple is someone who realizes I am not who I used to be. I have been transformed, right? That, that we help students to understand that like salvation is not just an attitude adjustment. It's not just taking you from, from bad to good or from you know difficult to easy. It's taking us from death to life. And that has happened in our own lives. We wouldn't be here in this meeting if we had not been transformed by the Holy Spirit and, and saved, right? But I think sometimes we remember like what we've been baptized out of, but we've also been baptized into something, into new life, into specifically the body of Christ. And this is what I think is so, so powerful about this idea of like the discipleship that we have. And again, I, I won't spend too much time on this point because I think you understand it or else you wouldn't be in a meeting like this, but we've been baptized into the body. We need each other. Relationships are so essential in our uh, own spiritual growth and our own spiritual discipline. And uh, again, like I said, I, I don't wanna beat a dead horse here. Cause like, yeah, I get it. We're here in this group, we understand it, but never stop leaning into things like this because I, I know the power of a meeting like this when you're actually real and when you're actually vulnerable. It's the difference between sticking with the national average of youth ministry, which is 18 months, I believe, or actually having some longevity and seeing kids through junior high all the way through their graduation, which speaking of graduation, you want a real practical tip? Don't go to the whole graduation. Just show up to the very end. They don't care if you're there. They, they don't know the difference of if you're, in the, if you're in the auditorium or not. Park outside, get a picture with them afterwards. That's all that they really want. Because then you're in their memories forever. You still have the, the victory of that win of that moment. Uh, but you don't have to listen to a bunch of kids' names that you don't care about. <laughs> Take that or leave that. But that's something that a wiser youth pastor than me told me after I had sat through about five graduations. Um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, you see the students through graduation. Relationships help with longevity. Um, and so I would just say, continue to lean into this because not only have you been baptized out of, you know, the old ways that we used to live, the sin that we once turned to, 
we've been baptized into something and that is the body of Christ. And we are better together. I'm so grateful now to even get to be a part of this today because I, I'm meeting more youth pastors that I can become friends with, that I can build relationship with because I don't want to do this alone. I need you guys. Um, and then the last thing is uh, sanctification. Again, none of these things are, are things you've not heard about before. You didn't know about uh, submission, salvation, sanctification, but Matthew 28, 20, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. Like this is the, the meat and potatoes of youth ministry. And I want to really challenge you because I've seen this. There's this post-COVID thing happening um, where we have a really important moment. We're in a really important critical moment in the church, but especially in youth ministry. And I think we're seeing a generation of students who had a lot of experience, but no discipleship. And I think we're, we're bearing the burden of that as youth pastors right now. And we have a lot of work to do when it comes to actually discipling our students, doing more than just creating a fun environment and doing a lot of giveaways and gross games. And look, I love all of that stuff. I mean, I wouldn't be a youth pastor if I didn't. I forget where I was. I think I was at youth convention. Oh, yeah, I was golfing the other day with, with my friends because now all of us youth pastors, we golf, right? And so I was golfing with my buddies and there was this pond and it was disgusting. It just smelled so bad. And my first thought was, what's the lowest amount of money I would have to pay you to jump into that pond? And we were talking with each other and we said, I feel like the second that you see a pond like that and your first thought isn't how much would I have to pay you to jump into it or like how much would I have to pay you to drink it? You should probably quit youth ministry because that's how you know you're still a youth pastor is if that's how your brain just nat naturally functions. So I love all that fun, crazy stuff that we do, but we have a burden right now to create depth. Because what we're seeing happen is this turnover, and it's been happening for generation, but especially now, we're seeing students graduate high school, and even now more than ever, before they even graduate high school, leaving the church, believing the lies that culture has to offer and to say. And, and, and the way that we combat that is by being committed to teaching them the laws and obeying the commands that Jesus has created, like, and to do that effectively, again, it goes back to my greater point of all of this, doing is found in becoming, we won't be able to teach the word of God if we are not in the word of God, we won't be able to, to effectively disciple our students if we don't have a grasp of what the word of God is saying for ourselves, and again, this is where I always, honestly constantly come to when it comes to being in my word and this is something that I fight against to this day this morning we all know how to get into the word and create a great message for a Wednesday night but this is this is our struggle we've got to be in the word as sons we've got to be in the word because we're disciples not because we're anyone's youth pastor and, an, and a result of that is we are a more effective youth pastor, but it can't be the reason. The result cannot be the reason. And this is something I am constantly coming back to. I, I do things because I know that I'm supposed to. I know what, what, what comes of it. I know that like it's a benefit to my life and, and I won't be a good husband or father 
or youth alive director if i'm not in the word but i've found is i've got to put all of that aside and just be elliot bland the son of god who needs to spend time with his father and and be a disciple because being a disciple is how we are effective in making disciples and and the beauty of all of this is is it's framed with authority and it's ended with a promise after all of it it says and behold i'm with you always to the end of the age guys we this is not through our might these aren't our students they're his we have the opportunity to be a part of something beautiful i, I want to push you a little bit be committed to making disciples not making converts or making attendees uh make disciples who are ready to enter into the real world and who are committed to making disciples as well. I can't wait for next month when Jackson hops on because one thing that we are both in agreement on is we believe that students have the capacity to reach other students. I, I'm in this huge zone right now that as I go church to church, my big push is that we've got to stop helping students survive. I feel like that's what we think youth ministry is sometimes, just helping kids make it. Right. If I could just get this kid from from Wednesday to Wednesday and they don't go to the party this weekend, that's a win. If I could just get this kid through my youth ministry and they don't do drugs like everybody else or they don't get pregnant or they don't whatever. I'm a good youth pastor. No, we've set the bar way too low. We've set the bar at survival and God is calling us to more than that. God is calling us to raise up a generation who doesn't just make it through their junior high and high school experience, but they impact and reach as many junior hires and high schoolers and faculty members and parents and anybody else that they encounter because they've been equipped to do the work. And that's what the local youth ministry is all about, equipping students to do what God is calling them to do. Um, and I love it. I'm passionate about it. And like I said before, I want to do it for the rest of my life. I don't, I don't believe that I'll ever lead a church or plan a church or become an executive pastor or anything like that. I want to be in youth ministry until the day that I die. Um, because, because I feel like it's what I'm called to do. And so, yeah, again, I know I didn't give you like three tips for an effective small group or like, uh, you know, I, in this Q and a time too, there's a lot, most of my strategic ideas, um, were complete and utter failures. For instance, this is a real idea that I had when I, you know, how, when you start youth ministry, you're like, I know everything. And I have the bet. I know exactly what's going to work. And it's like, these elaborate, creative, complicated ideas that you think are going to just change the world. So we didn't, we didn't have kids giving, right? I think that's something that happens in a lot of youth ministries. We didn't have kids giving and offering. So I was like, I have this brilliant idea. Okay. And you could steal it if you want. We started something once a month and we called it just do it. Because again, I forget what year this was, but it was whenever uh, Shia LaBeouf was doing the like, just it so it's like we were you know using a big trend and meme at the time but we spelled it just duet so again this is the most complicated convoluted idea but it the idea was just do it like just give but we called it just do and every single one of the giving nights we would have a bunch of leaders and students do this elaborate um lip sync performance where like there was costumes and there was rehearsals involved and we got 
zero dollars out of it but we did it for like a full year and it was the worst and it just made people upset but uh again that's where like that's the way my brain works so um yeah anyways so good man i appreciate uh the vulnerability because we can all probably relate to uh having great ideas that uh we, we put everything into and then they turn out to be not so great of ideas. So, so good. So good. So somebody got a question uh, for Elliot here uh, on this sub subject or even just something else. Feel free to uh, unmute, jump in here. But uh, Elliot, I would love just to see, you know, you've talked about being relational and that that is a big part of the discipleship process for you and your journey. So what are some, some ways that maybe you've uh, brought that into, you know, being driven, being motivated, but still being relational as you grow youth ministries, um, as more students are coming, how do you stay relational, but still continue to grow and continue to uh, reach more students? Yeah, yeah. I think, it, again, it's all contextual, like uh, relationship are like I feel like why we're called to ministry and I think coming back to that is a huge help not only relationships like this but even you know in times when, when ministry is becoming mundane or overwhelming I just go back to that one student that that that's something that uh, a youth pastor Gary Garcia he's our our he leads our student ministries now but he was a youth pastor for 30 years in the same church uh, which is just unheard of and he's the one who taught me this lesson that in those moments when you're, you know, you go to a conference and you're at the church that has like the biggest youth facility you've ever seen. And like, you know, you know that that youth pastor gets paid enough to have like a Tesla or something. And you're like, oh man, this is the dream. Like I, I'm over here just like bivocational hustling. Uh, he's like, think of that one student, that student for me, it was a kid named Gabe, who came from, um, he only had a mom, his dad left when he was just young, I don't think he's even ever met his dad. And I've known this kid since he was in junior high, he was with me from the beginning. And uh, I built relationship with Gabe. And I, I've seen him through Gabe is that ninja kid that I was talking about, he, he was on American Ninja Warriors, mm -hmm. children stuff. And uh, so I think of Gabe, and in those times when it's tough or in those times when when something else seems better, I wouldn't give up anything for that one student. And so I think that that's where you can really um, you might not be able to have relationship with everybody, but hopefully you're building a leadership structure and culture based on relationship and, and you're, you're empowering your leaders to be good at relationship um, because that should be the basis of our youth ministry. But just because you can't have relationship with every single student doesn't mean you shouldn't have relationship with any, right? Um, and I think it helps to keep us focused on what we're, because I know contextually, there's a lot of different youth ministries represented here. And so you get to a place where you have so many students where it's just like, I can't know all of their names. And, and that's okay, that's a good problem to have but you should know some of their names um, and you should spend time with some of them. You should go to lunch with some of them. You should go to some of their games because I think it just keeps us grounded in why we do what we do. I hope you enjoyed listening in on our coaching call. Again, that's just a portion of what we do during our coaching calls. 
We have guest speakers where you get to interact in real time, ask real questions about your ministry context. We get to interact as a group, help each other in our ministries, and also break up into groups where you get to have personal connection with a smaller group where you get to encouragement and uh, do life together. I want to encourage you to take a look at it. Go to renewedleadership.org slash network to get more information and to join a group. Well, we're going to be bringing you more episodes. So take a look wherever you're subscribed for the podcast. I can't wait to bring you another episode here soon.